you have your Bibles, we are in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to jump into verse 28 today. We started this summer a series called Sermon on the Mount, uh, where we are looking at Jesus' greatest teachings. These teachings uh, are, you know, Pastor Jerry called them the greatest hits, but they are a compilation of Jesus' teachings that he likely taught through all the different villages as he went throughout Galilee, Judea uh, area in, in the Middle East. And they were shocking to the people he, because he was stating ancient truths and then adding to it. He, he was saying, you've heard it said this way, but I say, and he adds to it because he wants the people to get to the heart of the matter of these, these things. And uh, if you've been going with us, you, you're realizing this will challenge us as the people of God. It actually takes the power of the Holy Spirit to live out what Jesus is saying. If we just take it at face value and try to live it in a humanistic way or out of our own power, it's impossible. It's impossible to hold the standard of, of purity in marriage the way that Jesus gives us if we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible to love our enemies the way Jesus calls us to love our enemies if we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. And he, so when we talk about him elevating or adding to it, what he is saying is, you've heard it said this way, but, I'm, but I want to take it up a notch. I want, to take, I want to really get to the heart of it and say, live from the heart and let the power of the Holy Spirit uh, live through you. So we've been going through just chunk by chunk, verse by verse, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And I, this is healthy that we do this because we can. We often will, in churches, kind of highlight felt needs. Let's, talk, let's do a relationship series. Let's do a financial series or something, or an evangelistic series, something that we feel. But sometimes we just need the Word of God to just teach us and uh, so that we don't drift if we only talk about felt needs and social justice things or, uh, you know, just uh, the, the power and the resurrection of Jesus without ever talking about the suffering of Jesus or the sorrow of Jesus or the teachings of Jesus, how does our life shape to him? How do we transform him unless we go through the word of God? So that's why we're spending time. That's why we went through the culture class years and went through all of 1 uh, Corinthians because it's not enough to just show up and, and hear a word and walk away because Jesus requires, take up our cross, follow me. A strong calling from Jesus. And his words are challenging sometimes, especially in the light of, of culture. So if you have your Bibles, um, Matthew 5, verse 38, you've heard that it is, was said. So he's getting ready to talk about an ancient truth. He's going to quote from Exodus 21, 24, Leviticus 24, 20, and Deuteronomy 19, 21. He's quoting from the Old Testament. So he says, you have heard that it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you, and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. All right. I just think by now, this is probably the most radical piece that we've read. Because now he's putting us in the realm of relating to other people. And he's essentially telling us to waive our rights. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. 
Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Uh, I'm allergic to bees. I uh, probably three out of four times when I get stung, nothing really happens. But every once in a while, I'll have a, an allergic reaction. So uh, this May, it was about midnight. We, we went to bed probably around 10 or 11. So I was well into my sleep, and I get stung in my sleep. It wakes me right up. I knew I was like, I think I just got stung by bee. And so I, I wake up. And uh, Jen's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. She goes back to sleep. I go downstairs. And I mean, from, from the bedroom to the kitchen, because I went to the bed. We have one bathroom in our house. We have an old farmhouse. So, we, you know, I go downstairs. By the time I get to the bathroom, I know this is going to be a hospital run. This is going to be one of those bee stings. I can feel like my old body starts to itch. My head itches. My feet itches. My hands itch. But there was something a little different that happened in this one. It, like I could feel my heart just pounding. And you know, if you know anything about allergic reactions, what's happening is your body is overreacting. That's what, uh, you know, the histam your, your body is releasing histamine into you. It's overreacting. And so some of you, you get that, you show up in a, in a, in a, a house with a, like cats and like you just start sneezing, right? Well, that's an old, you're, you're having an allergic reaction. Some of you eat shellfish or you can't eat fish because you have this. So I'm having this moment, but I'm having these heart palpitations that I've never felt before. And I can feel my chest getting tight. And I'm like, am I having a heart attack? I didn't know. So I go upstairs. You got to take me to the hospital. No time for an ambulance. Jen gets to try. And she drives me to the hospital. We're going down I-94 from Parma. And Jen literally is doing like 100. I'm telling her, please slow down. We're okay. I have my EpiPen with me. Now, this is an EpiPen. Uh, I carry this with me when uh, probably most places when I travel. So when you use this, you got to pop that off. So I'm ready. Like, I'm just holding it. Like, okay, if I, I'm, a, I'm telling her, if I just pass out, jab this thing into my leg and it pops out and it sends a needle right into you and you start calming down it's an antihistamine and it restricts it, it, it kind of gets it under control because the body is overreacting. so here's my question because Jesus is talking about really waiving your rights and he says don't resist an evil person what is he saying when he when he's talking about all of these he's talking about don't overreact when you are in someone opposing you, what do you do? Do you respond like the words that Jesus has just said, or do we overreact? Do we want to defend ourselves? Do we want to pull out the EpiPen, jab them in the neck, give them a good dose of Jesus? Jesus said, don't pull out the EpiPen. Now, the reason why I use the EpiPen, I would have never thought of it, except I looked up the Greek of resist. It's the Greek word antistami. Antistami is how you say it. Antistami, that's right. And it's where we get our word antihistamine. It's a compound Greek word. Anti means to oppose or come against. Histamine means to take com a complete stand against. So it means in the Greek to oppose, to resist, to set against, to stand against, to be hostile towards. So when you have an allergic reaction, your body is becoming very hostile and overreacting to the situation. Vigorously opposing, bravery 
um, br bravely resisting, mostly translated oppose. So in other words, Jesus, it means to fight back, but Jesus says, don't do that. Do not resist an evil person. So he's essentially telling us, don't get even. Don't get even. Don't overreact. Don't oppose these people. Now, before we jump in, into the message today, I want to real quickly highlight just three things Jesus is not saying. Because when you read, do not resist an evil person, you can, some people take that to extreme. There, there are some uh, writers back in ancient times thought, well, we don't need police anymore because Jesus said, we, you know, we don't resist evil. But it's not what he was saying. So he is not saying you can't protect yourself against physical violence. He said evil person, not evil actions. He's not talking about allowing someone to abuse you. He's not saying to endure mental hardship or abuse from somebody. He's saying resist an evil person. He's saying don't get even. He's saying essentially waive your rights and love people by choice, not by circumstance. So I want to talk to today, this morning, how do we do this? How do we live out these words of Jesus? Because when he's talking about eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, he's talking about, it's what the ancients called the law of retaliation. Eye for an eye. In other words, the penalty can't be more than the crime. Punishment can't be more, or you can't overpay. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And so he, he is saying, don't overcharge, don't overdo it. And what it was is it, it was a law put in place that you didn't overreact to a harm done against you. So, Jesus, so, you know, the, the law of retaliation in ancient times was eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. The punishment must match the crime. But Jesus is saying, hey, what if instead of retaliating or getting paid back or getting some comp compensation for the wrong that's been done to you, what if you just waive your right? And that's what he means by, but I say, don't oppose an evil person. Don't get even. Don't retaliate. Retaliate. Are you seeing that? So how do we do this? Well, he, he lists off four things. The first thing he talks about, if someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other. So number one, when you're insulted, waive your right to retaliate and respond with grace. When insulted, waive your right to retaliate because arguing is almost always counterproductive. Uh, you've heard me say this. I don't know how many times I've said this in church. If your goal is to win an argument, you already lose. So when Jesus is saying, turn the other cheek, and I've heard of this actually happening to people for the gospel's sake where they get slapped because uh, Chris Hodges, um, the pastor of, uh, I can't remember the name of his church off the top of my head, Church of the Highlands down in Alabama, he, uh, someone said, you really believe in Jesus? You want to follow him? And they're like, yeah, I think he's in college. So this guy just slaps him right on the face, and he turned the other cheek. That's an extreme example. It's in hyperbole, but this is what he's saying. When you're insulted for the kingdom and you're insulted for Jesus, you don't actually have to set them straight. You don't have to pull out the EpiPen and jab them in the neck. Wave your right to do that. I love what uh, Preston Sprinkle said when we played his video in here. He said, people can't hear your truth until they feel your grace. 
It's the grace of God that helps people come to Jesus. So essentially, we try to win them over. But if it turns to an argument, if it gets heated, you have to let it go. I remember I had a friend uh, who uh, grew up Jehovah's Witness. And uh, I I personally believe uh, that that is a cult started by a man named Charles Taz Russell. Extreme beliefs about heaven and hell. Only believes 144,000 people will ever go to heaven. So there's no hope um, for anyone the size of the 10th of Michigan even though we're 8 billion people. He grew up in this. And so um, one of the, the kind of big theological pl- things where I part with uh, some um, Jehovah's Witnesses on the issue of hell. Is there a physical place that we go to when we're eternally separated from God? God wants no one to go there, but Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe this. They don't even believe you go to heaven, so there's no hope in it. So I'm having this conversation, but it begins to get heated between us. And he was my best friend since kindergarten. Uh, he, he has since uh, gone on to be with the Lord. But we, I remember in the middle of it, we just had to stop talking about it. So it's, at that point, it's like, I don't want to win this argument. And listen, I never would say to him, oh, you're in a cult. Like, you know, that, that, that you know, if, don't do that. If, like, if, and I have, if you, if you want more information about that, read the book called Kingdom of the Cults. It's a fascinating, it's a you know, thick book, but it's a really good book. It talks about Mormonism, talks about Jehovah's Witnesses, talks about um, Islam, which is not a cult, Judaism, which is not a cult. Those are religions, but there are some things that come out of those religions that, that part with basically the, uh, the, the, the theological positions or the sacred truths of those religions. So Jehovah's Witness comes out of Christianity, but it parts with the, 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 the deep faiths of, of Christians, like heaven and hell and uh, eternity with God. So it was a hopeless thing. But I had, to, I had to let it go in the moment because to win him over. Now, remember years later, years later, so we were like in high school then. And, but years later, uh, one of the things that happened, and I don't know if this is, I don't know Jehovah's Witnesses really, really well except what I've read on them, but what, he got expelled from his uh, church because he didn't dress appropriately for the church, so he got expelled, and that really wounded his heart. He, he was living in Seattle, Washington, and he was in a very deep, desperate place, and he turns the radio on one day, and it's a Christian radio station, and he says, there, his name was Jimmy, there's a man named Jimmy who's listening to the radio. And he starts like ministering, and James just starts weeping in the car. He gives his heart to Jesus, and he calls me up and says, Mike, I got to tell you something. Today I became a Christian. And he gave his life to Jesus. But had I pushed, had I wanted to force my theological views of heaven and hell upon him, or that, hey, I think this heaven's for everybody. <laughs> like, had I done that, I would have lost him. Romans 12 talks about this. He says, do not repay. That's kind of the key to this verse. This is what Jesus is saying. Wave your right to get back. Wave your right to get even. Wave your right to throw your theological position in there. Wave, wave your right. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge. 
My dear friends, leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So the Lord's saying, you don't have to oppose people. You don't have to get even. You don't have to let them feel the full weight of your anger. What we do, as far as it depends on us, we live peace. And Jesus is saying, trust me with the outcome. Now, someone take this and read this and think, well, yeah, that means God's going to squash them. Doesn't mean that. He said he'll avenge. But it could be the vengeance is your friend listening to the radio and gives his heart to Jesus because you knew not to retaliate. So when Jesus is saying, turn the other cheek, he means it. Don't, why'd you slap me? Why are you? We, we refuse to retaliate and we, we respond with grace. Number two, if you get sued, you know, he, he talks about anyone who wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. I think this is probably the hardest to swallow. I certainly could walk away from an argument. I certainly could walk away for someone who wants to do me harm and not fight back and just get out of the situation. But when being sued and you're asking to settle out of court, Jesus, and just take the loss, that's a whole other level of just disregarding the law of retaliation. The ancients said, no, it was tooth for tooth. We should go to court. We should fight this out. I want to get what I need to get or what's deserved or what's owed to me. And Jesus said, no. Someone wants to take sue you and take you to court, just give it to them. Is this rocking anybody right now? Mm-hmm. I, I bet. Lawsuits harm the cause of Christ. Especially if it's believers suing believers but it makes us look bad as believers and followers of Jesus. The basis for going to court is often revenge. It's often to get back something that you feel like is owed to you, and it shouldn't be our motive. 1 Corinthians 6, 7. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means... You've been completely defeated already. Man, if your goal is to win, you've already lost. Why not rather be wronged? Do you see how Jesus in the kingdom of God is countercultural? We, we said this from the beginning. This will often be countercultural. The culture says go to court when you've been wronged. The cult. culture says don't work it out, and if you try to work out, it doesn't work, just go to court. He's, he just says, well, why not just rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Woo. This is hard to live out. When uh, we were building our, when we were breaking ground for our building project, uh, there was a fence line on, on, the, on, the, on, on our back piece of our property there. Uh, and the neighbors on that bordering, the neighbors who boarded us thought the fence was the property line. Even though there's two massive cement pillars about a foot tall uh, that actually reveal the boundary lines. So when we began to break ground, we were sued. And, uh, and we like were flipping out because it actually halted us for a good, for a good minute. Uh, we, we couldn't, you know, the attorneys are saying, don't cut a tree down because if you lose and you start cutting trees, you know, it was a big deal. Well, essentially, if we, if we don't have this property, 
we don't produce the parking that the township is requiring. I mean, and we're not communicating this because there's some disclosure papers we, we end up signing. But I remember just fretting over this and just what it was going to require and what it meant. And, and so I'm asking, like, if we go to court, what does this mean? And the attorney's saying, like, you're pausing for a year. And so, but if you give up the property, then at the same time, you, you, you're also, you can't do what's required by law. So I'm sitting there, and I remember just getting an impression from the Lord, stop talking, just sit in my presence. So I do. I, go, I, I remember I was outside in the backyard, this little, little shed thing I, I would pray in. And um, so I'm in the shed, and I'm reading Hebrews. I'm soaking the presence of God, trying to figure out what to do. And I read this, this um, verse in Hebrews that says how believers were glad when their property was confiscated. And I, and I had never remembered reading that before. You know, it's the Lord. Like, I don't ever remember reading that. And I've read Hebrews a ton, but I don't ever remember about property being confiscated. So, yeah, <laughs> it's still there. Yeah, it's still there. You probably, I think it's, it's at the end, 13, somewhere around there, 12 or 13. And uh, I, I, and so I just got with the, with the attorney, and I said, the, the civil engineer has said we could give up this amount of property, and what, and what we did, I can't share what we did in detail because we had to sign disclosures, but we essentially give them land, our, part of our land. Uh, what we, we just said, what's the bare minimum that we need to get our parking in, and we'll give them the rest, plus bless them very generously. And I had so much peace. I wasn't bitter about it. Once I got a word from the Lord, Mike, don't go to court. Because the attorney said, you know, they, they would have to prove this, that the fence became a new boundary, which there wasn't a way to prove that. But this is what we do. We don't go to court. If you can settle it and work it, that's the way to do it. Some of us, we're in court with our own family over maybe an inheritance, maybe, uh, you know, I, I don't know, but we give it up. It's just things. It's just money. It's just property. And it impacts the cause of Christ. So take the loss. And this is what Jesus is essentially telling us. Waive your rights. Choose to love by choice, not by circumstance. Circumstance is get the attorneys. Let's go. I'm about to duke it out with you. I, I had some, some just say that, like, let's go to court. Yeah, you know, like, let's, let's put the gloves on. Let's do this. This is not right. And it wasn't right, in my opinion. It wasn't right. But it was God to love them by choice. We actually blessed them. We had some of the admin staff, like, made baskets of gift baskets that we took to all those property owners, like, thank them just, like, for understanding our building project and loved on them. Most of them received it well. Some of them were very nasty with us. But we chose to love by choice, not by the circumstance. Circumstance says if they're high five and celebrate with you, then no, love says even if you're not, we're going to love you. Are you seeing why the kingdom of God is much harder than what our culture says? Number three, when inconvenience, go the extra mile. When inconvenienced, go the extra mile. Jesus said if anyone forces you, to go one mile, go with them too. Now, that's translated in English, but in ancient times, it was actually about four miles. 
And uh, there was a, a Roman law that it, a Roman soldier could take any citizens of Rome or those occupied by Rome and force them to carry their gear. Their gear weighed about 60 pounds. And to relieve the soldier, they could take any person and say, carry this. And they take their 60-pound gear, and you had to walk with that soldier about two miles, carrying their gear. This is, do you remember when Jesus was crucified, and he couldn't carry the cross, and the soldier says to Simon, you carry it, and Simon tried to back out? He had to do it. In fact, if you didn't carry for a Roman soldier, what they would do is flog you. So Simon, even though he was hesitant, knew, I got to carry this cross. I don't know how much it weighed, but... That's why he was able to force another citizen to carry the cross for Jesus because of this, this Roman law. It's kind of like uh, commandeering a vehicle today. Like a police officer, they're in pursuit. Like, I need to commandeer your car. Like, hey, no, that's my car. Like, it doesn't matter. The law says I can take it. Wouldn't that be an inconvenience? When, it's literally what Jesus is saying. And listen, the, the, and the, the, the Jews hated that they were occupied by Rome. So when Jesus is saying to them, hey, when one of the Roman soldiers wants you to carry their stuff, don't just carry it what the law requires. Go above and beyond and go the extra mile. And I'm sure in their minds, like, he's nuts. No, I, I would do it because I have to. But once we get to that mile marker, and they had mile markers on ancient on, on Roman roads, uh, I'm done. And Jesus said, don't do that. Bless that soldier. Some of us were angry at our government, inconvenienced by them. Doesn't this give a whole new light and a weight to what Jesus is saying? Go the extra mile. Last thought on this, waiving our rights and loving by choice and not by circumstances. When you're put on the spot, do what you can to help. When put on the spot, do what you can to help. He said, give to the one who asks of you. And do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Real love is action. It's not just feeling. It's like, you're asking something of me, and if I can do it, we should do it. You've heard me say this, and I say it often. Um, we can actually, Jesus, you know, if, if you can help somebody, help them. If you're put on the spot and like, hey, can you help me out? It is an inconvenience, but yeah, I, I can do that. This is what he's saying. You get put on the spot and say, hey, would you help me out? I'm, I'm in a tight spot. And if you can do it, do it. They ask you, like, if you loan them something, loan it to them. If, 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 if it's a financial situation, you can help, help. Now, he's not saying do it every time because there's times when you can't help. I often get overwhelmed by the amount of requests of, of felt needs in our own community and the world. I made a list of them the other day about um, how many uh, ministry opportunities that we have inside of our church be, to help other people. And it was like something like over 30, like hurricane relief. Right, or disaster relief. Right now, we, that's, you know, Florida's feeling that, the East Coast's feeling that. Foster system, homelessness, drug addiction, depression, abuse. 
violence, human trafficking. Probably should have wrote them down, but there was like 30 of them. And I'm like, it's overwhelming. Trauma, like just all of these things. And so Jesus isn't saying do all 30 of these big needs, you know, every time. But he's just saying what one resonates with your heart. If you're put on the spot and you can do it, do it. But don't feel shame if you can't. But if you can do it, do it. John tells us this in 1 John 3, 17. He says, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. So I often, because of these 30 needs, and I, I weekly get requests with a ministry idea. So if you've done that, you know, don't mishear what I'm saying. I actually love that. I love the passion in people. I, but So I want to empower. I want to you know, say, yes, do that. But we, as a church, can't do all of that. But if I can help you, I will. So the thing I say, I'll do for the one that I wish I could do for everyone. I wish I could meet every appointment that I can when I'm put on the spot. Hey, can you meet me? I want to say yes. And if I can, I do. Because I want to love with action, not just with my words. I want to talk to everybody who wants to talk to me and put on the spot. Some, some of you patiently wait on a Sunday morning. And I'll, if, if you'll wait, I'll talk to you. Uh, it's not an inconvenience to me. It's, it's like our heart as Christians to love well, love with action, um, not just with words. So I, I didn't know to title this message, Wave Your Rights or Go the Extra Mile. I, I entitled it, Wave Your Rights. But wave your rights and go the extra mile. Wave your rights and go the extra mile. Well, what does that mean? There's a couple of things I jotted down. You can go the extra mile. You know, we don't, police officers don't ask us to carry their gear, but it still has application. We can allow people to use our time, our talent, our wisdom. We can spend time with people who bore us. Hang with eccentric people if you don't like eccentric people. Let people call you out and don't respond. Respond in love. Be patient with those who don't think the way you think. Believe the way you believe or hold your political views. Go the extra mile. Give grace to the person who's misusing you. You want to go the extra mile? That person that's hard to forgive, and you got to do it every day. I'm going to forgive again. Go the extra mile. I'm really irritated by this person. Go the extra mile. Forgive again. I've forgiven once. Well, sometimes you got to keep doing it. Go the extra mile. Listen, I've learned I have never felt sorry for being gracious. I have never felt sorry. But I'll tell you when I have felt sorry. I've regretted when I've responded because I was mad. I've regretted when, even though I thought I was right and I defended myself, and I might have been right theologically, I'm, I might have been right in the situation or the circumstance, but I didn't love well. Last year, 
or during 2020, I, I put on the front of my phone, are you loving well? Are you loving well? I've never regretted being gracious. Most of my regrets is when I've responded and I've busted out the EpiPen, shot him in the neck, and like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. That stings. You get hit with one of those, you feel it. So love well, guys. Wave your right. This is hard. This is counterintuitive to culture. But this is the Jesus way. Let me pray for you. Father, today, I know your word says that we can retaliate eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. But give us the strength, Holy Spirit, turn the other cheek. Give us strength, Holy Spirit, to go the extra mile. Father, give us the wisdom to respond and love well. Help us to love by choice, not by circumstance, not because they deserve it or because they agree with us, but because of who you are in us. Father, I pray that we would reach the world with the love of Jesus, not just the message. The message, once applied, changes lives, but it's through love and grace that we respond. So, Father, help us be a gracious people. Help us, Father, to learn how to go the extra mile, how to give up our rights in certain situations, Father, for the purpose of the kingdom of God, for the purpose of winning them through love. Help us love well. This takes the actions of the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, I pray you do that through us today. We love you, Jesus. We want to live for you. We want to be your people. These words we read by you, they're hard, Father. It's hard to give up things. It's hard to give up property, what is rightfully ours on paper. And you say, just let it go. And I pray that as we let go, as we trust you with a vengeance, as we trust you with the outcome, we live in peace. That's the result. We have peace. We have grace. We have no regrets when we live the Jesus way. And all God's people said together, amen.